We're going to start today with children at risk of being groomed for criminal activity. The Acting Justice Minister, Simon Harris, this week announced a new set of laws allowing for the prosecution of an adult who, quote, compels, coerces, induces or invites a child to engage in criminal activity. The measure has been broadly welcomed, but those working with children at risk of being lured into crime say laws alone won't do enough to protect the most vulnerable of children. Belinda Nugent is the community representative on the North Inner City Community Coalition and she joins me now on the line. Belinda, thanks for joining us. Hello, Colin. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Well, some children you're working with are very young. So how young are they and what are they being gotten, what are they getting mixed up in or being induced into doing? So, Colin, what we're seeing in the northeast inner city in Dublin Central is we're seeing a lot of children that unfortunately are being coerced into criminal activity. And it can start from a very young age of seeing a lifestyle. Um, by, you know, a lot of people, Colin, uh, in the inner city are living in disadvantaged areas and a lot of people are living in poverty. And these children are being put into sports clubs. And what we're seeing is there's a lot of perpetrators in some, not all I have to say, but in some. And a lot of these children are through them being coerced into and groomed into criminal activity. What happens then, Colin, with these children is that when they are then groomed into this lifestyle, they then become perpetrators themselves as they get older. Uh, and when you, say, away, when you say yeah. groomed, how are they being got into the lifestyle? Is it bribery, threats, what way? Uh, yes, Colm, it would be. It would begin with start giving them things like clothes and scooters as, and then it would develop into, as you said, a lifestyle of probably moving them and giving them um, drugs. So it could be things of starting off with weed and then it'll develop into cocaine. Then these perpetrators or dealers um, would then actually have the children own a debt to them, um, which develops into drug-related intimidation, which actually then the whole family um, is involved in. And it's huge in the North Inner City column at the moment. And unfortunately, there isn't the services and resources to protect and help the families in the North East Inner City. And when you say kids, how young are yes. you seeing them starting? Yeah, well, for myself, a couple of cases that we've been working on, it would be from the age of 10, but we are aware that it can go down to the age of eight and nine years of age. Babies, column, you know, really young children that is just seeing, as I said, and I'll highlight it again, is... These children are living in poverty. So if there's no food in the press or if you're standing there with a pair of runners with holes in them and you're seeing the other children with the good clothes, it becomes very attractive for a young child column. But things that we're not seeing is what resources need to be put into our communities in order to address this. Where the legislation that Simon Harris brought in, Fagan's Law, it's really welcomed in the community, but they're missing a huge piece and that is the gap. The gap there is what are the resources that need to put in and just to say Colm we had the North Inner City Drug and Alcohol Task Force which was suspended we also had the Community Policing Forum that the funding was taken away 
Day in June 2017. And we also had the National Family Support Network. All these community resources have been taken out of the community and families and children do not have anywhere to turn to because of these links within the community has been uh, taken uh, away. And before we just get into that resourcing yes, issue, of course, yes, what, yes. what advantage do the criminals see in using young children for people who maybe don't understand how uh, criminal legislation treats younger children? Oh, of course. Well, they will be making money out of the column and they'd also see that there's an advantage of taking these children that is, you know, living in poverty that are disadvantaged as a way of gaining, I suppose, financially themselves. You know, Colm, I just want to highlight as well, there's a lot of these people and a lot of these groomers or perpetrators who are actually being children themselves, who's been groomed into it, um, this lifestyle. And we also have to think as well, of them too um, it's, you know we need to protect the children we need resources for if children and families have the bravery to come forward but we also have to think of a lot of these teenagers now who would be in that role they once were too you know that child that was groomed into this uh, lifestyle also and when you were saying there that the resources were removed or the community policing forum was being stood down, what rationale or reason was given at the time for that being stood back? Do you know, they, well, number one, first of all, um, it was said that it wasn't um, a health-led model, so it didn't come under uh, the National Drug Strategy, which actually, in fact, it was written into the National Drug Strategy on the goal four. Um, so we have been constantly trying to campaign and lobby to get that service. Now, another service was put in place called the Local Community uh, um partnership and which of course it was welcome into the community but they don't deal with individual cases they only deal with projects so again we need that resource put back into the community we need the North Inner City Drug and Agriculture Task Force where we had all the statutory bodies sitting at the table with community reps with voluntary reps we need another service like the Community Police and Forum again set up so the community have somewhere to link into. And as I mentioned, the National Drug Strategy done this uh, research in 2008. This is how long our community is struggling um, with this issue. Now, further back than that column. Right. But since 2008, they've done research which, alongside Angarda Siakana, was launched in Crow Park. Like, this is an ongoing issue that our community is crying out for resources to right. be put into. Could, could I just yeah. ask you finally, just a, a, and very yeah. briefly, what sort of outreach effort is in place on on the ground and what services are there to refer children on to if they were identified as vulnerable? Well, you see, this is the thing. First of all, there is a lot of research and there is a lot of money that is put into. And I have to say the youth services within the North Inner City do an amazing job. But again, when it comes to the actual thing of grooming children into the lifestyle of criminality, there is no services for anybody to link into directly. So again, while Fagan's Law is welcome, and I think it's a brilliant thing that Simon Harris has put this bill forward, we really have to think about that gap column and the resources we need in the North Inner City. All right, Belinda Nugent from the North Inner City Community Coalition, many thanks for joining us. Well, 
a, a jurisdiction where there is efforts to deal with this um, is the UK, where this has been a pretty endemic problem for quite some time. And before coming on air, I spoke to Lisa, who works with Escape Line, a charity working with children and families who are being or have been exploited by criminals or indeed groomed by criminals as well. And I began by asking her when this particular issue first came to her attention. It was when I was a social worker and working on the front line back in about 2018. We were receiving quite an influx of referrals of teenagers, both girls and boys, and the behaviours that were coming through were they were treating from school, there was drug abuse, behavioural issues, but there was a clear pattern. And my previous work before being a social worker was I did a lot of work around sexual exploitation and basically was kind of seeing particularly some patterns with the girls around sexual exploitation. And that's where I went and did some research and and went up to London. And that's where kind of highlighted me around county lines and criminal gangs and realised that's what uh, was happening down in the southwest here in our rural areas. Can you explain just to people who aren't familiar with the concept of county lines, how that operates as a gang structure and how it uses young people? So county lines is really like a drug gang and it's it's run kind of on like a business model. And what happens is they're based mainly in our big cities and what they do is they come down to the rural areas and spread out kind of their this illegal drug business. Normally what happens is they will come down to the rural areas connect with local drug dealers, connect with the kind of older teenagers. And normally it's the older teenagers that are living locally that they're not expected to go out and recruit the younger ones. And simply these young people will initially feel like they're just kind of being connected to a new friendship group with older young people and that they can look up to, that they think are going to take care of them and look out for them and and be part of this kind of quite strong friendship group. They then may be asked to do things, take packages in exchange for money. This is kind of the hook stage, we call it, or the grooming stage. And they're brainwashed into thinking, you know, it's okay to go and take this package across town in exchange for quite substantial money. So they might be taking a a drug package across town and they will be robbed and the drugs uh, or the money will be taken off them and then they'll be put into a debt. And that's when they become trapped. But, uh, because they, the person who has robbed them actually is working for the gang. Totally set up, yeah, absolutely. But that young person is unlikely to know that. They will go back to, to the exploiters to say this has happened and then they'll be told it's, it's their fault and they're now in a debt. Um, and that's where they become trapped. And so that young person will then experience violence, intimidation, be threats to themselves and to their family. And they will feel there's no way of getting out because of the consequences that could happen. And typically Um, when you were dealing with people of 14 or 15, how long had they been in a vulnerable situation by the time they were being referred to you? Oh, it could have been quite a while. Because initially, as I say, it just looks like they're getting involved in a new friendship group. Parents will kind of pick up something's happening here. They could then start getting concerned about who they're hanging around with, but they don't know what's going on. And I think this is where we brought in the charity really for that education, because when they get into that trap stage and are stuck, it is extremely difficult to get young people out. And the parents basically lose their children to these exploiters. And is there a level of denial about it? You said you lived outside of London in, you know, a a pretty rural area. Do people think it, it can't happen here and therefore are slightly in denial about what's happening to their children or may just not have the awareness of it? 
totally. I think in the, it's getting better, but particularly in the rural areas, it's still, you know, we can't have kind of drug gangs down here in our lovely area. And also, though, they're also targeting children that don't come from kind of challenging backgrounds or children in care. It could be any child that can be targeted that come from loving, caring homes. It really doesn't matter. The vulnerability is simply their age or that they may be struggling with friendships or so on. Both sexes as well. In fact, we've seen an increase in girls and the children are getting younger as well. So our youngest child that we um, support is aged eight. What are they looking out for to spot these young people? So it's basically where young people hang out, mainly in parks, skate parks. On on a day when a recruiter's out, they'd be watching kind of a group of young people and that one young person that's slightly kind of not fitting in or might have had a fallout with their friends, that's the one they'll target. Also, we're seeing now, you know, children being targeted actually in schools as well as kind of recruiters hanging around outside schools when young people leave school as well. And the legislation in the UK, how adequate is that legislation and what does it do? Well, they have now what's called the National Ferro Mechanism which uh, was put in place for kind of people being trafficked into our country and around uh, modern slavery. Basically, it's put in place to identify young people who are being exploited by criminal gangs. The only thing is, this is when they're at that most highest kind of level, which is at the trap stage. And the threshold is extremely high to be able to receive support. I feel personally there needs to be a lot more work being done, particularly around the prevention in in getting in there early. And we really need to do more work in getting around that education and awareness, which, which isn't really being done, particularly in the rural areas. How do you contact vulnerable people? Are they are children referred to you or do you run a hotline or do you have outreach workers? We normally it's through referrals, through schools, children's social care and the police. But again, we are we are looking or that we go out and do outreach work as well. For us, we are seeing a massive increase and you know our resources can't meet the demand. I would say post-COVID, it has definitely escalated and we are struggling to meet that demand. Is it a risky business for you and, and the people who work with you, given that you're depriving gangs of workers? We do put safeguarding measures in place at all times. But, you know, our, our kind of remit is about that education prevention because they've got the skills and the knowledge to know how to keep themselves safe. All right. And that was Lisa from Escape Line in the UK speaking to me a little earlier. And we were asked only to use uh, her first name because of those security concerns she mentioned there. I want to introduce you to the political panel here in studio with me now. There are James Brown, Fianna Fáil TD for Wexford, who's Minister of State at the Department of Justice. Kathleen Funchen, Sinn Féin TD for Carlo Kilkenny and Chairperson of the Oireachtas Committee on Children. And Gary Gannon, Social Democrats TD for Dublin Central and Party Spokesperson for Education Higher Education, Arts, Social Protection, Foreign Affairs and Defence. Welcome to you all. Um, Minister James Brown, to you first, you're in the Department of Justice. What could you say to parents who are concerned today as to where their children could be referred on to if they want to get out of a difficult situation like that, if they were groomed by a gang? Well, this piece of legislation that was approved by Cabinet and brought by Simon Harris this week is a very important piece of legislation which will... Uh, attract a sentence of up to five years for those adults who are convicted of grooming young children into criminal activity and they very much do target vulnerable young children who may be coming from difficult backgrounds. 
And that's an important piece of armory for the Garda Siakona and for Tusa, because we know from Tusa they're very often, uh, and social workers on the ground who recognise and see grooming going on, may not see or witness specific criminal acts. So up to now they've had that challenge where um, adults who are caught uh, getting children to carry out criminal activities could be prosecuted, but where it's grooming that hasn't been prosecuted up to now. And so does now the mandatory reporting obligation apply if a child comes to Tusla and says that they have been groomed for a gang? Does the same thing apply as if a child reported neglect or sexual abuse to Tusla? Well, I certainly will expect that that will be the case. Um, so it will be and it's something that should happen. But I notice Tusla have actually been looking for this piece of legislation as well. And it's a very imp- important piece of legislation that way to give that piece of armoury to Tusla and to the Garda Siakona. But it is only one part of what we are doing in terms of helping young people. For example, under youth diversion projects, there has been record funding put in there as well. So where children maybe are uh, themselves getting that bit older and getting involved in criminal activity that rather than getting a conviction, they can be diverted back away to get help, to get treatment. And also with youth workers, family support workers and early intervention workers there as well put into place. So that at the But how does the legislation help with this? If you're trying to get a, a, a child or a young person out of criminality, the actual conviction of gang members would require them to provide the information to the Gardaí about other people they may have been brainwashed out of being able to do that through a culture of fear or threats to their family. No, absolutely. And that's what we do see with young children is that they are in that situation where they are being threatened. They have maybe perhaps false debts set up that they they feel they ha- they somewhat have to pay or, of course, allurements through a fancy lifestyle that's being offered to them as well. So it needs a whole of government approach and that's what's happening. And I give an example of a piece of that is happening on the ground, which is the Greentown Project. It is a covert programme being done in an undisclosed location where all the different state agencies are working to break those criminal networks. And that's a programme that's already won European awards of course there's right. safeguarding measures But, but just very specifically that. on that project how well resourced are the other wraparound services like mm. trauma counselling mm. for example or addiction counselling or other work that would need to be done with young people to maybe get them to change their frame of mind? Well, I certainly know from my own uh, respect in dealing with youth diversion projects that all of those agencies link into youth diversion projects and those children are referred on to those supports when and where they need them. Of course, there is a, there is a challenge in various healthcare aspects of getting those resources in place. That's not a funding issue from the government. It is a challenge in getting the staffing in place, but absolutely right. that work is ongoing. OK, Gary Gannon, you represent uh, Dublin Central. Like Belinda Nugent there, who, who has seen this up close, what are you seeing in your constituency? What I'm seeing in the constituency is the continuation behaviour that's been going on for over 40 years, probably longer now since drugs and heroin first penetrated the north inner city and now manifests itself in different forms. Right, and it's, what are you seeing in terms of services? So, in the north inner city, over the course of a number of years, there's been no lack of kind of agency services, projects with good intentions which are there. But it's policy. While drugs remain a source of profit for people who are in destitution, poverty, there is always going to be a temptation while an unregulated industry still operates on recruiting people in to do their dirty work, usually younger people. It's going to continue along that vein. The grooming legislation, I actually do think is important, something I've been calling for for a lot of years. 
But if it's not met with an anti-poverty strategy, if it's not met with intensive um, trauma-based recovery programs, counselling, education, uh, help, when I say health-based responses, that can sometimes become a little bit of a cliche, but health-based response is something that needs to be resource-heavy. You need counsellors, addiction counsellors, mental health supports in schools, in youth clubs. Um, there needs to be sports teams, access to culture, all of this will make a difference. If it's just a case that this one grooming legislation will come in, I fear, I, I don't like I know it's not going to work. We've had we've had different. This is a welcome advancement, but the problems are okay. so complex, so embedded that this won't make a huge amount of difference. Okay, just very briefly, James, before I go to Kathleen Function on, on this, uh, the last, I think, Greentown figures were a thousand young people and children involved in a criminal network. Is that still the figure as you understand it or has there been an update on that since since the 2021 figure? That would still be estimated at the figure. I don't think that figure has okay. been updated since, but we'll see as Greentown progresses what the results are working out on the ground. It's a very intensive programme that's right. been carried out and well resourced. Kathleen Function, the uh, community resources of sports facilities and all of those kind of things, they can be a help, but they're also networks that can be penetrated by by criminals, as we heard uh, from Belinda there. So the level of vigilance that would have to be put in place to make sure people aren't grooming, that, that kind of child protection vigilance needs to be pretty well invested in too, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think there's a number of points. First of all, we welcome the legislation. Um, my colleagues, Martin Kenny and Denise Mitchell, actually introduced similar legislation last year. Um, so we do welcome that. We would like to see the, the max sentence be 10 years, not five years. But I think that's one part of it. The legislation is important because you do need to have prosecution. And I think when sometimes you have things in legislation, it does start changing the mindset. We kind of saw that with course of control in a, in a different form when that came became illegal in, in 2019. So I think it's important. But the big thing here is, um, first of all, prevention. Um, and then for children who are in that situation who may become forward, how do you stop that from happening again and how do you keep people out of it? So there is programmes like, for example, the school completion programme, which is an excellent programme. A lot of people don't know a huge amount about it. It is focused on keeping children in school and it is focused on the needs of a child as maybe why they might be at risk of dropping out of school. That's one programme that they could definitely resource better because it operates on a shoestring. And then we do need to look at what is actually there for young people. I mean, particularly my constituency is a mix of urban and rural. There is so many villages and towns that have absolutely nothing for young people. So and it's, it's sports is one very important thing, but then other things like maybe theatre or other types right. and of... And of just just of on, the, on, on the rural point, what yeah. uh, Lisa from Escape Line was saying there, have you seen evidence or are you getting reports from your constituency of this becoming an increasing problem in, in rural Ireland? Children becoming involved in either drug dealing or being recruited by gangs? It's definitely um, not just an urban problem. It is definitely something that is both rural and urban. And I think that people are a lot more aware of it um, now. And def- you, are, you, you would see young kids kind of getting... and recruited in and I think a lot of it is they don't see an opportunity I think Belinda touched on that in terms of if they see you know people with, with like you know the, the latest whatever it is uh, branded footwear or, or clothes or whatever like so how do we keep kids out of that it's by making sure that they realise that there's a lot more other opportunities for them and then ensuring that we're resourcing those services like the, the Garda Youth Diversion that could do with um, additional resources um, and same with um, right. sorry, mm-hmm. community policing and can I just make one point in 
relation to family support workers. We do need to see more of that because often TUSLA intervene with a family when it's at crisis point. But there is families that could really, really benefit from family support workers before it actually gets to that level. And I would think that's definitely a key issue in a lot of the rural areas. James Brown, the um, I suppose what we heard from Lisa there, that the situation in the UK is, is that there was a certain naivety in rural Ireland about, uh, in rural England about this and there, but there is an opportunity to get into the ground floor and maybe take preventative measures in a way unfortunately that uh, may not be as possible in areas where it has become embedded in, in the urban parts of things. So what efforts are being made to proactively get out and do outreach in communities because it sounds from what, what both our contributors have said earlier that drug gangs are actively involved in outreach of their own. Yeah, no, this is both a, a an urban and a rural situation. I'm very much aware of that. I've done a tour of the country visiting new diversion projects in almost every county in the country and we've seen how it ha- is working on the ground and there, and there are different types of gangs, there's different types of um, allurements of people being brought, young people being brought into criminal activities and unfortunately sometimes it's their own families or older siblings which are doing it and that's the why we have massively resourced youth diversion projects in the new strategy that came out the estimated cost was about 14 million we put 9.2 million into it in the first two years and further funding will be coming to resource not just youth workers but family support workers and early intervention workers and also working now to ensure with Minister Roderick O'Gorman that youth diversion projects are working with the UBUs which are the other youth organisations and then working with TUSA and the other state agencies right. and including school completion okay, you, well, You've mentioned TUSA well. a couple of times there and, and some of their intervention is within families. Some people can be groomed by their own family members yeah. and it becomes intergenerational in particular families. How is that cycle broken, Gary? Well, how is the cycle? And I think it's really important to recognise the fact that hoard people hoard people. So if you think a lot of people doing the grooming, even at this point, between 18 to 25, they themselves were groomed into this industry yeah. 10 years ago and they were probably groomed in by another family member 10 years before that. This is a cycle of destruction that is not going to change based on um, resources will make it different. But you have to remember, Belinda, for example, who was on the phone there a minute ago, she's in an area that received, what, 33 million over the last, over the course of the last 5 million from the inner city task force. There are policy changes that I need and a change of direction when it comes to the drugs industry that are not going to just be seen on the ground. There needs to be national government. The drugs industry is massively profitable, not for the people who have their lives destroyed by it. And while we continue a model of criminalisation, that stays profitable and the destruction of right. lives continues. I that needs to be recognised. And, and that's that's a debate I'm sure we'll return to on another day. But we're going to have a look at some of those hospital protests from around the country after this. Saturday with Colm Mungon on RTE Radio 1.